This episode of Witch Police Radio is brought to you by the Sunwolf label. They're putting out eclectic music from Winnipeg and beyond, and their next release is by Katie and the Wolves. It's an album called The Wild Unknown, drops March 22nd. Stay tuned to thesunwolflabel.com for more information about the great bands and releases they have coming up. This episode is also brought to you by our friends at the Park Theatre. This is my interview with one of my favorite local singer-songwriters, Scott Nolan. Scott is on the verge of launching his debut book of poetry, Moon Was a Feather. The book will be launched Friday, April 5th at 7pm McNally Robinson Bookstore in Grand Park Mall. And he was nice enough to have me over at the Song Shop, which is his home studio, to talk about poetry, talk about his music, and it was generally a really open conversation where he had a lot to say on uh, the nature of being an artist and creating art and doing that as, as, a, as a career choice. And it's really interesting to talk to a guy like this who has spent as much time as he has in the local music scene and touring and just going through the ins and the outs of music business. And he seems like he's at a real place of peace with where his career is, where his creativity is, and it's a fascinating conversation with a guy that I probably could have talked to for two or three hours more. So maybe at one point, we'll do a part two. But for now, here's Scott Nolan, talking about music, poetry, and much, much more. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Garbage Hill, Winnipeg's first podcast network. All right, welcome to Witch Police Radio. I am uh, here with someone who I've kind of been listening to for a long time, and, and I'm glad to, to finally get a chance to sit down and talk with. So I'm here with Scott Nolan um, in this really awesome home studio here, the Song Shop. The Song Shop, yeah. And uh, yeah, thanks again for uh, for for having me here. My it's, pleasure. Uh, very very, uh, very cool little setup you have, yeah. or big setup, I guess. Thanks <laughs> but, for coming over. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I mean I have a lot of things I wanted to ask you about music wise, but you have a book coming out on April first. Yeah, I don't Which, know. I don't know if they gave me an official date. I know okay. the, the the release party. The, the is, party is April first, right? Or is that? Uh, or am the party I is off? April fifth. I think. Okay. Friday. Okay. So scratch um, that. April fifth. <laughs> but so I don't know the actual because I know they've done some pre-orders. Okay. So I don't know whether the official uh, availability is the first, but okay. it's the first week of April. I don't know where I'm that. getting the first from. I may have just. Uh... Well, I I want to say April fifth is the McNally okay. Uh, okay. book uh, launch kind of party. Uh, well, after we look, we finish this. I'll look it up, and in the show notes, I'll have the real, the real date. Yeah, it's terrible that I'm not more prepared for this. No, that's okay. It's I'm it's not either. Friday. I know yeah. it's a Friday. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, so the book is coming out. Um, what can you tell me about the book? I think that's a good starting point. Um, the book is, um, you know what? About just over four years ago, I I kind of I'd been touring a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joanna Miller, and myself, we were touring a lot in, in America with uh, Mary Gaucher, and uh, we both kind of just were t- were tired. Um, not of any one thing in particular, it just, it, it kind of accumulated. And so when the idea to take a little break from it came up, uh, the biggest thing on my agenda personally at that time was uh, tobacco, okay. smoking cigarettes. And uh, I, knowing that I was going to have this little window of time off the road that I hadn't had in quite a while, it was really important. I, I just, I, 
I didn't mean to go into my 30s as a cigarette smoker, and right. I, I wasn't going to let myself go into my 40s, which I was about to turn 40. Sure. And um, so I started, uh, my, my big game plan was uh, walking every day. Okay. And uh, f- from the night before the morning, I would officially not smoke. Um, I told myself the one thing I would do no matter what was these walks. And uh, uh, long story short, the very first day, a, a poem kind of floated uh, to me, so to speak, okay. and um, uh, you know, it was not like songwriting. Um, it was, uh, um, it was interesting. It was almost like uh, a moment you might look at and go, "Oh, I could take a photo of this." You okay, know, it's very okay. beautiful. And I found myself finding these moments. So, the poems that I might consider the the, the stronger are really just were me capturing something that I was seeing in these walks and and. Uh, so it just, it happened. I mean, uh, I can't say as I planned it. Um, I didn't have any kind of prior um, um, teaching or, or schooling uh, other than um, I had a cousin of mine who was a poet. Okay. And then uh, a Winnipeg poet named Patrick O'Connell, who were both significant to me uh, as a younger person. And But yeah, so, you know, in a weird way, uh, I, I hate kind of saying this almost, but it was like a gift. Okay. It's like some sort of little um, acknowledgement from the from the uh, uh, the the unknown that was. Uh, I I really felt like it, it it gave me something, some sort of strength. Okay. Uh, that I was gonna be rewarded for this effort, and uh, and then honestly, it was a long time before I didn't um, write a poem at least uh, on every walk. And how many of them actually made it into the book? I mean, if you're doing. Those regular walks, you must have had a lot of poems. Uh, yeah, I want to say there's 80 poems, okay. maybe. And I probably wrote 120 or more, maybe. Okay. Um, and, you know, it, it's funny. Much like my music career, it really wasn't particularly well-planned. <laughs> Even after I began writing them, of course, this was a, on a in a personal way, it was mm-hmm. a, a lift for me. It was strength. So very much like music as an adolescent, it wasn't. Uh, it it saved my life. You know, it it uh, I was I was getting into trouble. I was drawn to, I was drawn to big energies, and I was getting in over my head very young. And my my lifeline was always music. Uh, long before I was even remotely any good at it at all sure it was always the thing uh, my uh, you know the thing that kind of kept me tethered in one manner or another and so uh, yeah in a strange way I guess it's this process is kind of repeating itself now and as I get older the arts are a funny thing like anything else in life I find you you age into things yeah and uh, I've really found myself at a place um where the business is in worse shape, arguably, than ever, and people are panicking, I feel really calm, and I'm in the center of this going, you know, uh, none of those things really matter that much to me in right. a weird way, you right. know? It's kind of... Does that give you the freedom to just be creative, rather than having to worry about all the extra stuff that comes with it? It gives me the freedom to live. Sure. To not really, um, to not be affected by anybody else's agenda or, or deadline, and, and uh, again, you know, the, the music part of my career I mean it was it was unplanned so I, I, I lacked the kind of infrastructure of managements and teams yeah but because I threw myself out into the the world a little bit I gained access to uh, an artistic peer group 
and uh, and I started getting noticed by artistic peers, not you know business people, and right. And it, so it gave me a little bit of time to develop. For one, um, uh, I didn't. Uh, by the time anybody was interested enough to ask me anything, I, I finally had things to say, and I didn't have to kind of uh, pad my thoughts or anything like that. And so it, it, it was lucky, you know. I suppose yeah. in a sense. And but um, well, you mentioned earlier that the uh, the poetry didn't come to you the same way as songwriting, and a lot of your songs. Are, I mean, the lyrics are a very strong part of what you do. I mean, very, very storytelling kind of vignettes almost, right? And so what, I guess what's different when, you're, when you come up with an idea for a poem? How, does it, how do you know it's not going to make a song? Or how do, you, how do you determine sort of what idea is going to work as a song versus a poem? Or do you? Well, there's a, I think so far at least there's a different kind of labor with songs. Okay. I might allow myself a, the freedom to edit and revise. Whereas, uh, again, and this is a naivety on my part um but with poems i try to resist that I, I at least at this young stage for me it feels like a failing when i go back and revise poems okay so i should say too uh, i'm out walking with the exception of a small handful of these poems um i wrote them all while walking and uh, in, typed them into my iphone okay so there was no typewriter no paper pen none of the process yeah, yeah. processes that I was familiar with because uh, I've been writing in some capacity since my adolescence so sure uh, all that stuff was gone and um, and it allowed me to blend in because everybody's out there on their phones I just look like another just some guy on the phone yeah. on their yeah, phone yeah, yeah. enjoying everything uh, around me but the truth was as I was using it uh, to try to capture it and and um, so there's that. Light 
subject of loss mm-hmm. uh, I've written a, a song called you rock we roll about my late road manager Ernie Blackburn and um, a morning on the mountaintop for my childhood friend Orlean Seller and when I write uh, songs of that nature I find they come very fast okay. similar to these poems and I wonder if it isn't um, kind of an altruism you know you're you're your head is in this place with this person that was very real to you. This mm-hmm. isn't a, a work of fiction or a work of poetry or prose or any of these things. And so I wonder if it isn't the um, the uh, the subject matter kind of sets a high intention. Uh, and so when I write in uh, these these types of subject matters, I find it's closer to the poems, and that I really uh, I try to capture what what feelings come my way very quickly and without um, because then uh, the editing becomes more of a watering down or more sure. of a, a distancing um, uh, equation and but with the poems uh, there's one called Yellow Lights Amore that's become a song and, and that was I mean it's all interesting to me really where at a time when I could be worrying about the successes or failures of mm-hmm. my actual career I feel lucky at 44 I'm more compelled with the idea that now I got these poems. Uh, who, who's to say they can't be songs? They sure. don't. They don't follow the same rules and patterns. But by looking at other artists like a Leonard Cohen or a Nick Cave, I realize, oh, you know, they're they're finding themselves up against boundaries, and then they're just breaking through them. And I mean, that's very interesting. And so with this poem, "Yellow Lights Amore," um, it was one of the first ones I set to music without any editing, really. And it's, I think, it's been a real success. And the opening lines, uh, my daily walks lead me through the Assiniboine Park. And mm-hmm. so that particular day, the opening lines of the, the poem are, um, a man in a trench coat speaks into a cell phone, a woman in black dances with the wind. And um, that was simply it. I was, I was on my walk and I turned and it was kind of a gusting day and it yeah. was kind of gray and... And lo and behold, there was this, I mean, it, it could have as easily been on stage at the concert hall. It was a really compelling kind hmm. of uh, poetic and, and uh, just beautiful moment. And like songwriting, I think all I do is make myself available. And when I noticed it, I stopped and that was it. I, I, the poem took 
as long as it took me to type it. Um, it really happened that fast, and so it's interesting, you know. It's it's just being available, and yeah. Do you think it's uh, the poems are maybe a more authentic way of conveying the thoughts or the emotions or the observations because they're not edited? They might be, yeah. I, I think I think that's probably true, and 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 I mean. The mechanics of it, uh, I mean, they're going to be uh, ultimately uh, standing alone, so that that might be why there's... Okay. Maybe there's some more uh, uh, pressure on the poem uh, to not come uh, dressed up for any kind of thing, you know? And sure. I, it, it's, um, I remember t- having conversations with uh, the late Patrick O'Connell about poetry, and he would always encourage me, uh, um, whether it be with songs or poems, He'd always talk about clarity okay. and and how um, it wasn't a shortcoming when when many people can appreciate a, a simple sentiment and you know uh, again not having the background of kind of the classics and stuff you know I'm just it's it's a little bit like I'm writing songs you know, can't say as I know what I'm doing but you do it uh, long enough and. I guess it works for you, right? You yeah, figure out your, your way of... Well, it of validates itself, I guess, in a way. You yeah. Know? Um, the audience is a whole other thing, and they get to decide. But in terms of the satisfaction of just the, the creation process, it's... Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if I know much about it, and I don't know if I want to really know all that much more. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's, uh, it's interesting. And I think you're right. I, I think there is something maybe perhaps even more authentic about... Um, about the poem. Do you think that the uh, the music, your existing audience, you know, who's already into your music, how do you think they will feel about about the poems? Is, is there are there enough similarities in the style that you would recognize it? You know, as someone reading it would recognize the same kind of feelings and ideas in your music. Yeah, I think so. I've shared a number online, mm-hmm. and I've gotten some really wonderful feedback and support, and. Um, I think they have what they have in common is they're they're me, you know. Sure. Uh, um, I think there's a a, a, a style or or a thing or you know. Um, so I think they might succeed on that level, but um, yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, uh, it's it's affected the music I've been doing of late more than anything. Okay. I'll be more interested to see. Um, how audiences respond to the new music I've been working on. I've done one show recently where I, I shared some of these new songs, and it's funny, the, the, the poetry's had a bigger effect on the music in that um, I found myself looking at songs for the first time, wanting to see if it was possible to, to separate the music and the lyric okay. easily, uh, anytime, should I wish. And, and I guess in part, uh, at first it was more about is this is this music uh, interesting beyond the song? I was, um, yeah, I just, uh, I, I listen to instrumental music a lot mm-hmm. around the house because I don't find it as distracting as lyric-based stuff. So I, over time I just developed an interest. And so the new uh, music, I want to say has a more orchestral kind of sensibility to it, but I don't want to be misleading in that it's very, you know... Um, I'm experimenting with new instruments and telling the same stories, I mm-hmm. guess, you know, but uh, just trying different colors. And, and uh, so it's been interesting. And I credit part of that to the poetry, I think, is um, 
it, it reminded me that, like, I, I, I can really do whatever I want here, you know? It, it, it's, it's hard to reconcile, like, uh, wanting to be an artist and scraping by and living. Sure. You know, so... Uh, and a lot of people just make the decision and they don't, they, they, they sure. go on to something else, right? Yeah, or, and, and, you know, sometimes we make the decision and we stress about the decision mm -hmm. and, like, I look at my peer group um, and, uh, you know, on the one hand, there's amazing new music, like just, just Winnipeg alone, locally yeah. speaking, there's as much or more new amazing music to me than ever from a music community that's never been boring, that's yeah. never let me down. Yeah. Um, but they're also, like, you know, um, artists that are getting a little bit older are, are worrying more because the state of the business is, is not in great shape. Whereas the younger artists, it's easier for them to not care. Because they've grown yet. up with and, it, being like this, right? Yeah, yeah. you know, and, and I'm kind of in the middle. I, I, I want to care and I want to be responsible and lend a positive voice to whatever I can. But mm -hmm. then there's the other part of me that doesn't really want to give a... A damn about any of these extraneous things that I cannot control. Um, I want to try to continue to produce stuff that's not easy to steal. Okay. But I'll tell you what, I'm happy in a weird way if you steal it too. I remember Silverhill um, was being bootlegged on some Russian website. Oh, really? Long before the record even got released. And while a more successful artist might have been angry, I was really kind of mystified how anybody in Russia was yeah. even really caring enough to to go to such trouble and... Well, yeah, how do they know who you are enough to know about the yeah. release of the album? Yeah, well, yeah, who, yeah. Who knows about that stuff? It's it's somebody else's job to worry there. And, and well, Billy built cars Never went nowhere The only thing working Was a dial radio You sit in the front seat Just listening to baseball Dream of places That he'd never go He liked to ride balls Beat on his children Making up new words Man, nothing at all Curse the stars That had left him in that chest Humming an old tune And cry as they fall In one conversation Short-term destination It led to a lifetime Away from home With no plans worth making All the good dreams were taken When you 
the money was good on the road in the springtime one look from a girl and he settled down he laughed right out loud when she said Mississippi he said I can't pronounce it but I like how it sounds Short-term destination It led to a lifetime Away from home With no plans worth making All the good dreams were taken when you leave this world You leave it alone When you leave this world You leave it alone Billy built cars, never went nowhere. Only thing working was the dial radio. He'd sit in the front seat, listening to baseball, and dream of places that he'll never go. In order for me to keep doing stuff that I think is worthy of anybody's attention, I have to just... Um... I just have to, to to do what feels right, you know. Yeah. And uh, I I feel lucky, really. I feel lucky that um, and the poetry thing it, it, that's what it is to me. It's this lifeline where it's I've been not touring for other than short little things mm -hmm. for almost four about four years. And and when that happened, I didn't have a set plan uh, of what I was going to do. And I wound up um, teaming up with Jamie Sitar, a, a local a mastering engineer. Yeah. Um, and under the moniker of the song shop, the two of us as a team here of, uh, I want to say, produced uh, 13, maybe 14 records oh, wow. for, for some incredible artists from, uh, I mean, geez, if I started listing them, I'd forget names. But, <laughs> but you know, again, so I didn't, I didn't plan to do that. Yeah. And, but uh, you found a way to keep this creativity and our, our artistry going. Yeah, just, yeah. I think by staying true to it all as best I can keeps you uh keeps that that magnet thing mm -hmm. you know uh, you know maybe people are compelled to to come ask me uh, my opinions on one matter or another because they see me somehow treading water all these years you yeah know, it's yeah treading water is not easy to do and and uh, you know so uh it, it's been neat and the journey uh, um what i've learned uh, you know to be able to be learning as well, you're guiding and all this. Yeah, to yeah. me, it's like, man, it's just, it's just the most incredible harmony. I mean, uh, 
we made William Prince's first record here, and we're it's a just great we're too. just finishing his new one, and then like the the dynamic has has changed and evolved so much yet. Um, the approach is still really there, and it's all in the interest of kind of discovery and mm-hmm. arts. You know, uh, it's it's interesting in Watermelon Slim and Corn Raymond, and it's like I feel like I sit out here sometimes and think, man, some some real voodoo has happened between yeah. these walls. And um, well, I'm almost always in the position of of guiding the uh, the affairs. It doesn't mean for a second that I'm not learning and just you know discovering new stuff all the time yeah and so it's it, it it's been really neat and it's um yeah all these things tie together somehow that's cool it's uh, it's cool that you've been able to you know find different ways to to do that i mean it's not you're not just playing music you're doing poetry you're doing the song shop stuff you they're all connected right but it's it's such a a, 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 a gift's not a right word but it's a blessing I think yeah it's a blessing yeah i look at somebody like patty smith who i just uh, uh you know when I look at artists I loved as a young person and artists I still really love sure. as, a, as a middle-aged person, it's like, man, like you look at the... Uh, there may not be a more compelling um, uh, um, working artist to me than, than a Patti Smith. I mean, uh, what a what a rich yeah. <laughs> body of work and career. And, it, and it's, it, it's endlessly fascinating. It remains fascinating. And When she commands attention, yeah, whatever and, she does, right? Everyone, people are naturally fascinated because she has that history and and she stays true to the simple act of being an artist yeah and 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 understands the value it's healthy it just becomes it's like the food we eat you know we we choose we ultimately choose where we kind of fill our uh, energy reserves from and so uh yeah you have to kind of it's balance you got to find that balance somehow and i've been lucky here and and it's it's built a good team community around me too. You know, I see yeah. other artists gravitating toward it, and uh, and it's become very healthy. You know, well, I guess that's something that happens when you stick with something for a long enough time. People recognize that you know they they want to be kind of around because you've made it through everything you made it through to get to this point. Right? I hope so. I remember in the beginning of my career, I was very discouraged um, by the various industry kind of scenarios that I was I remember being told a lot that uh, self-production was a uh, not an advisable thing okay I even remember once being told that less than one percent uh, of self-produced artists are successful and I remember being in my 20s thinking how much less can it be than one percent <laughs> I mean it's one percent yeah yeah so what like it's about as low as you get yeah. the math didn't even make sense yeah. I felt like I was being not conned I felt like I was being guided by someone that wasn't ready to guide yet. Yeah, yeah. And and as the years went on, I realized, you know, if we look at this as the arts, instead of naming it in the factions music, film, mm-hmm. you know, let's just call it the umbrella of the arts. I don't, I don't uh, see people out there encouraging and fostering real development. You know, uh, a nineteen-year-old. A can't really be the songwriter of the year, you know, no. typically. Or, or um, as much as these things are good for business, they can be very hard on the actual creative people. And I've, I've encountered people over the years that... Um, it's never surprised to me how sensitive people in this line of work, sure. any, any meeting in the arts can be. So 
we agree to certain things because they're good for us in business, but they play a real toll on us, both personally and artistically. And so I've, 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 that's been very interesting uh, for me to watch. And I, from my first record on, have always remained a part of the production. And when I was starting out, I had a couple friends that were tattoo artists, mm -hmm. and they couldn't tattoo other people till they tattooed these crappy Mickey Mouse tattoos all on their legs and stuff. Right. And they had to sacrifice themselves before um, they could be worthy and uh, of that level of trust, you know? Okay. So, um, yeah, you know, I don't think anything in this business is meant to happen fast. And, and so the development thing, that's the interesting thing, you know? Uh, I, I'm always, I always have respect for anybody that can make it 20 years. If you're, yeah. still, if you're yeah. still standing after 20 years, I don't know if I care about the style of what you do. You got my respect. For sure, yeah. Because it says a lot about um, your character and, and there's sacrifices we all have to make. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> don't know if I lost my way have found it yet lit the wrong end of my last cigarette I get that restless feeling all good things will stand when can I see you again leave it all behind I'm just letting go so pick up trucking Drive it down to Mexico I get that wayward feel Won't jump that train When can I see you again? About you, you always on my mind. Starting over now, gonna get it right this time. When I get that sinking feel, I can't drown the pain. When can I see you again?
I think one of the problems now is that people are so used to having, especially younger people, so used to having everything come to them immediately that that idea of waiting for the 20 years or even the five years is kind of, it's, I think it's hard. I think it's a, almost a barrier because you see bands, I see a lot of bands starting out that have played one show and they already have, you know, T-shirts and banners and, and all, they've, yeah. they've done the marketing stuff but not necessarily put in the time to, to develop what they are yet. And I think it's, I don't know if it's a cultural thing or what, but it seems like there's definitely a rush now with a lot of people. And it's unfortunate because if they just kind of, I, I think as a listener anyway, if they sat back and took the time to, to like you said, develop what they're doing, it would be more beneficial to I everyone. I agree. And, and, but, you know, as you get older, I mean, if again, if you can make the 20 years, yeah, that'll change. I mean, um, what's neat about the poetry book for me, I never thought I would experience what it felt like to put out my first CD again. Mm-hmm. And well, it doesn't exactly feel that way it comes with some of the the same highs but uh, you know when i put out that first cd i remember getting into my little red chevette in my house coat in february going to the mailbox putting in a quarter and stealing you know a dozen papers sure because it was that big of a thing and uh as time went on that lessened and it's important that it lessens it's it's healthy that it lessens and i'll still read um things that are written about me but maybe not as frequently as I once did. I, I, my, my compass has come back to a place where I realize, oh, I, I am, in fact, always my worst critic. I haven't yeah. met anybody that's tougher on me <laughs> than me. And so it's, again, it's aging into it and, and um, kind of getting to a place of peace. You know, there's some kind of classic era artists that are still out there working. I, I don't want to name names here, yeah. but there's some that are still giants, whether they've written a good song in 30 years or not. And then there's others that are remain kind of giants that are still very much yeah. producing high-quality stuff. In most cases, they're all good, but I'm interested in the ones that are still producing, and it, and it makes me wonder why. And when I kind of look in those windows a little bit, it's, it's a similar scene each time. It's, it's, uh, it's what we choose. It's, it's kind of like how you choose to live the rest of your life. Yeah. The, the food you put into your body, the things you choose to consume... If you keep good energy around you, you're gonna, you're gonna have an abundance of, of good energy. And I, I've had to age into these things slow. You know, I, yeah. I had to leave behind an excessive lifestyle. I went out and did all the stuff in real time, from a very young age, and now uh, living a pretty, uh, probably the I'm at the healthiest stage of my life for for certain. And it's it's pretty wonderful. I gotta say, it's uh, it's quieter and and much more tame, but rich and rewarding and, yeah. and I mean I have I have uh, projects I can hardly keep up with and I, I've really I've got to that part now where I realize oh it's the it's the work that does it for me man it's the it's the greatest uh, there's no moment even even the going on stage doesn't quite rival the sense of completion on any given thing uh, like my my wife um who's an avid reader of poetry where I'm not. My wife, who has a, a, a good education where I do not. Uh, I, I basically, prior to going to Catherine Hunter, who essentially helped me get published, um, I went to my wife and I said, will you read this for me and, and tell me what you think? And her first uh, reaction to me was, she said, oh my God, when, when did you write this? <laughs> and uh, uh, so that was kind of a, a neat moment. And then... Um, she did encourage me to pursue it, and Catherine was really amazing, and, and I, I sent them to her, and she wanted to meet, and so all of a sudden the ball was rolling, and um, 
even the editing process was not very uh, uh, intense because Catherine very generously offered me notes, okay. which I, I don't even know what to do with. So I took my notes back <laughs> to my wife and she kind of, uh, spacing and some um, grammar, grammatical stuff. Yeah. Uh, and um, so by the time I was actually submitting the manuscript to publishers, of which I went to two, the two that I was interested in locally and I'm proud to say, uh, ultimately both accepted. Oh, cool. And uh, but I wound up working with the Muses Company, and uh, which is meaningful to me because they they published Patrick O'Connell and many many artists uh, from from the city that I admire. And but it was um, it it was this this process and them helping me. And and so again, you know, when I was doing this every day in my phone, I don't. I don't know that there was an end game or an agenda, and so like uh, any day this week, the book will be arriving to me, and I, I, I'm I'm beside myself here. Yeah. I really, I really am very truly excited to hold this thing in my hand, and I, I feel like it's, uh, it's something that I probably never thought I could do, and now that I have done it, it's, it's, it, it, it's more open than ever for me. I mean, I'm, I'm currently collaborating with the. Uh, um, the composer Glenn Burr, okay. who was a with Bram Tovia, founder of the New Music, and it's you know, it's such a kick to me because we come from such yeah totally opposite yeah. places, yet uh, this wonderful little friendship has evolved, and and it's it's slowly become creative, and I, I just you know I have a childhood friend that's been playing piano with me, and we go back to grade four, and and so he's around. He's, he's been a fly on the wall for all these record productions and yeah. various meetings, and he travels with me a little bit. And uh, he'll say to me, he's like, oh, my, yeah, oh my God, you're having lunch with these classical guys. Like, we were a couple high school dropouts that were being chased out of band class. And, like, we didn't, <laughs> we didn't get any breaks in school. Yeah. Uh, nobody saw anything good or, <laughs> you know, nobody saw any talent in yeah. us yeah. Uh, anywhere. <laughs> We're the products of being greatly discouraged everywhere we went. Yeah. So um, it's very special for him to kind of be riding shotgun uh, with me on this because he's like, boy, this is hilarious, you know. And yeah. That after all that time, this is what this is where you are. Right? Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, it's neat. I, I feel grateful and like, yeah, it's never a dull moment. Yeah. No, I I, I believe it. Um, I, I feel like I have a lot more stuff I could ask you, but I have to wrap this up. Sure. Um, we'll have to maybe do a part two at some point. I'm happy to do that. <laughs> and uh, but so the book is coming out. I will get the date and get that sorted out. So in the introduction, people will be able to know when it's happening. But once it's out, I'm assuming McNally's the main place people can pick it up. Or uh... yeah, I could check now. Um, McNally Robinson, yeah, they're going to be uh, they're kind of doing the launch, and so okay. that'll be the uh, kind of the exclusive release, I suppose they call it. Yeah. And it's the Muses Company, and so from there it'll be um, it'll be available anywhere, I think. Okay. And then as far as music, um, do you have anything that's coming out in the near future, or are you still sort of working on uh, new stuff? You know, I'm a good ways through. I, I, I want to say I'm even inching the halfway mark of a new record. Okay. Um, and yeah, some, some new possibilities come up. There's a visiting string quartet. Oh, cool. That Glenn and I... Um, Part of our bonding, um, it's just been, you know, mutual creative interest, but I've been playing him some of this new stuff, and, and he's taken an interest in it, so I'm going to utilize the, an opportunity to work with this incredible string quartet that are visiting in May, and uh, I don't really have a home or uh, any plans, whether my old label, uh, uh, you know, there's a, there's a bit of a change 
in the tone of the music. Um, so I'm going to take my time. I've, I, I'm dedicated to the book okay. from the spring to the fall kind of thing. And, and, that makes uh, sense, yeah. And William, Prince, and I are going to do a little tour east in June. Cool. But yeah, the book, uh, the launch is Friday, um, April the 5th. Okay, April 5th. At McNally Robinson. And, cool. Uh, yeah, and I think I'm going to play some, some new music and some of these, you know... Uh, I don't know how to do these book readings. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, I'd rather, I'm a good, t I can talk. Yeah, I'd rather no, talk about the book and, and, and play a couple songs. That's okay. probably what I'll do. Cool, cool. And if people are, uh, you know, want to find out more information about, you know, when you have shows coming up or about the book, is there a website or anything like that they can go to? Yeah, scottnolan.ca usually is reasonably up to date. I, I, I try my best. Okay. And are all of your old albums still in print or? I mean, I know a few of them are still, so yeah, for sure. But I, I think they should all be available through that site. Okay. And I know, um, I know they're available in the other platforms. Uh, oh, yeah, all the digital stuff. I yeah. believe, yeah. yeah. Transistor sixty six. Yeah. Have kind of uh, have been the guardian of all that stuff, and uh, so yeah, if you can't find it through my website, Transistor sixty six, or it's, it's yeah, I'm, I'm sure it's all available out there. Perfect. Okay. Okay, awesome. Well, yeah, if you want to hear more episodes of this show, you can go to witchpolice.com. All 360 whatever episodes are there for free download and streaming. Uh, you can also tune in on Sunday nights at midnight on UMFM. And those are, they're a little bit behind, so they play older episodes. So it's mid-March now. This might not air till August or something. But sure. uh, by then the book's already out <laughs> and then people can get it. I mean, you can always get these episodes online in podcast form, you know, anytime, but it's kind of cool. If you happen to be driving Absolutely. on a Sunday night, turn on your car radio. There's there's this episode, right? So the archives. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, thanks for thanks for having me here. I'm very excited pleasure, to, to check out the book when it comes out. I appreciate the interest. That old guitar under the stairs. My auntie left it there Down to the basement I would crawl I could still hear Grandpa's call Sunglasses and blue jeans Those pretty eyes of green Beehive hairdos and beetle bug cars Oh Lord, I see stars so fire up, play some old time rock and roll Before it all turned to noise And greasy ducktail rockabilly boys Rag top down, so lonely without you Remember sweet Lorraine, I would play that song My living room matinees That guitar was now mine on loan I had a screwdriver microphone Shine my shoes and shake my hips The Elvis shirt that never quite fit Leather jacket, blue suede shoes An eight bar bridge and a twelve bar blues Fire up, play some old time rock and roll. 
Jacket, blue suede shoes, an eight bar bridge, and a twelve bar blues. 